Welcome, viewers and listeners, to the Total Football Analysis Serie A podcast. We are the Thinking Fans podcast. Each week, we get together with our squad, who are currently pro players, real coaches, academics, and smart technical analysts. My name is Chris Mumford, a professor of innovation at UNC Chapel Hill. I'm a former university goalkeeper and current cranky goalkeeper coach. For those of you that enjoyed Money Heist or La Casa de Papel, I am known as the professor. Bella ciao, bella ciao. We're joined by Loriana, or Lori, from Sofia, Bulgaria. A former sports journalist, she abandoned the press to exclusively focus on the fascinating world of tactics. A broker during the day and a TFA analyst at night, Loriana finds the time to occasionally travel to Italy to attend Antalanta's games. We call her money because she is always on target. Shout out to Steve, who deserves a medal for waking up at 6.30 a.m. to discuss Italian tactics with us. Coffee and football analysis, what better way is there to start off a day? He is an analyst for the Wellington Phoenix, New Zealand's only pro club competing in the Australian A-League, as well as providing in-depth contributions to the TFA. He is known as the mailman because he is always up early and he always delivers. Finally, I would like to welcome my co-host, Daniele Pruch. What's up, Chris? Serie A fans, benvenuti to the first episode of the Serie A podcast. My name is Daniele Proc. I'm a current professional footballer for North Carolina FC and freelance journalist. We are so thrilled to analyze what is arguably the most tactical league in the world, learn how Cristiano Ronaldo and Zlatan Ibrahimovic adjust to the cutthroat and, let's face it, sometimes dirty Italian defending and figure out why is it that abroad there are many Italian footballers. In fact, the Chelsea squad at the turn of the millennium with the likes of Zola, Bialli, Di Matteo, Dallabona remains an isolated immigration pattern of Italian talented players. I guess that the Italian job is no longer for export, Chris. What an era for Chelsea. The lifeblood was clearly Italiano. <laughs> but I can assure you that our analyses are as precise as Fabio Cannavaro's defensive challenges and as exuberant as Arrigo Sacchi's football in the late 80s and 90s. Sometimes we do get a little farther up, but we promise that, unlike Marco Materazzi, we'll always be considerate when tackling issues about the Serie A players. We've received generous support from Total Football Analysis. They are the world's largest open-source soccer analytics community. Please visit www.totalfootballanalysis.com and join and support the movement. Let's get the podcast started, or more appropriately, let's talk about the restart. All eyes and ears these days have been on uh, Vincenzo Spadafora, the Italian Minister for Sport, who recently threw June 13 and June 20th as potential dates to restart the league. But uh, the Serie A tifosi will have to wait until the final decision, which will come this Thursday. As uh, Spadafora said, May 28th is the day when we will know if the league will resume. Assuming we resume, we're going to need a refresher on the standings. Steve, can you remind us of the situation at the top of the table? Yeah, no problem. Uh, so right at the top, obviously, we have we have Juventus um, tucking away nicely um, on uh, on 63 points, just uh, just in front of Lazio um, with uh, 62. 
Inter, Atalanta following close behind in those in those Champions League spots. Um, with run-ins, run-ins to come that will make a difference in those in those top four spots for sure. Good. And as far as looking at the end of the other end of the table, uh, Lori, can you chat a little bit about that? Yeah, we have three teams that are currently in the relegation zone, which are Lecce with 25 points, Spal with 18 points, and Brescia with 16 points. But we have some uh, some teams that uh, could go down the way to the relegation zone, and maybe we have. Power and Brescia, who are surely going down in the Serie B, but for for the third place, there are some Doria, Torino, Genoa, who are currently in a really dangerous position and could uh, go down uh, the same road. And Laurie, I know that you recently wrote a piece on TFA about Torino and their drop in performance. Do you think they will get sucked up in this scramble to not relegate? Well, the, the, their momentum is not not really um, good right now, and uh, they've performed uh, badly in their last six, seven games. It all went down with their uh, defeat to Atalanta. It was a, a huge um, setback. Yeah, excuse my my English. And um, they started performing badly in defense. They couldn't find find the, the balance between the lines. And I can honestly see them going down to to the the third relegation spot because um, they are with new coach. Maybe there there can be a boost in performance, but it it will most definitely continue the same way. And uh, let's jump on the other side of Turin. And uh, let's uh, begin with analyzing Juventus, the team that has been killing it for the past eighth season and is going for the ninth title in a row. Steve, how about you begin by unpacking what has changed in Juventus under Sarri versus under Allegri? Okay, so I just wanted to give you an overview of the, the possession. Obviously, Sarri has a big a big emphasis on having the ball uh, with his teams, obviously at Empoli and at, at Napoli and, and obviously at, at Chelsea as well. But um, I just wanted to kind of give you an overview of, of whether things had changed a lot at Juventus this year, obviously under his under his leadership and whether there was there was now more style with the substance or or whether it was more of the same from, from their perspective. So um, so far this year, they've they've used 25 games where they've where they've used his his diamond midfield uh, that he, that he loves so much. Um, obviously, the the Bala has been a big pivot point in that in that midfield there at the top of that diamond to to support um, the good work that he's he's done. Um, and then here's here's the the lineup that he's that he's used most regularly um, across the board. Obviously, uh, they've had a couple of injuries that have dictated to potentially what what he's done. Um, Around around the pitch, but um, that that's the that's the system that he's used most regularly until the last ten games. And eight of the last ten games, he's he's switched into a, into more of a four three three formation. And I think that's brought around the best of of Higuain in in that top uh, number nine position. So Dybala Dybala's dropped out of that pivotal ten position. Um, he shifted Higuain inside, and in the last couple of games. With Ronaldo, especially um, missing a little bit through through his injury um, issues, that um, Costa's coming and played on the right hand side of of a, of a front three as well. So um, a little bit of a change in the last in the last ten games. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. So just in terms of some some stats, um, 
not a lot of not a lot has changed really in terms of the the genuine stats so they've overperformed on the xg um compared to compared to where they should be uh, by a small amount they've had a few less counter attacks which lends itself to Sarri's more possession status and they've had an increased pass count and key passes um in that build up like you talked about there Danny but um there hasn't been a lot of change in quality so let's look at exactly what what that looks like for for Sarri out there Sounds good. And uh, Laurie, do you have any any thoughts about Juventus? How has it changed with uh, with Maurizio Sarri? Yeah, I've noticed uh, that due to the more possession style of play, they became like more dull and mm, not that creative anymore. Um, it doesn't matter that um, they have Ronaldo in the team and um, uh, Dybala, who's playing a lot better than um, in the previous seasons. They still see seem a bit... Um, um, less creative and... Um, slowing down the tempo, which is something that um, um, they were previously um, said to be doing, but um, they've now really uh, slowed down the tempo and trying to, to build up um, uh, through different channels. And I've noticed that their creativity and their use of uh, the wings uh, ha has changed. Sure, I think they're certainly more a methodical side under Sarri in terms of the way they do things. So, just put together two key areas. Um, so, one one thing that's fundamental fundamental to the way Sarri does stuff is the build up. Um, you'll have seen multiple occasions across all all the teams he's he's coached and, and managed where they build up from from deep uh, to create opportunities. And this is a pretty standard picture from from their last game against Inter, where obviously Conte's. Inter come and try and press them hard at the pitch to recover the ball, and and here in this in this scenario they're going to drag Inter to one side to then hurt them on the on the other side. So fullback in possession, uh, playing directly into the centre of the pitch here in, in this instance into into Costa, um, and now they're going to try and hurt them on the other side. So attracting Inter down down to Juventus's right hand side here through a ball into midfield to attract midfield and and uh, pressure in there in the centre of the pitch. And then they're just going to shift the ball quickly to Sandra on the other side to give them time and space to carry the ball forwards into midfield. So this is a pretty regular occurrence from from Sarri. Um, he uses this a lot to, to create time and space for, for his teams to create opportunities higher up the pitch. I don't know if you guys noticed any, anything like that in the in the intergame. Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, that's a feature of, uh, of Sarri's 4-3-3, a formation he loved to use at Napoli. And uh, he also loves to use Higuain. So switching to a 4-3-3, I'm sure it's something that Sarri has been thinking about because of, uh, of the guy up top that he really likes. Yeah, absolutely. I think he struggled to get all three of, all three of his, his kind of most creative and dangerous forward players on the pitch at any one time. So shifting into that 4-3-3 has definitely helped him in that regard in the last 10 games or so. I think that the that, that switch of play is uh, really spot on because uh, they really often use uh, Alexandro on the left, who is uh, really good with the ball and um, hold, it's, is holding on to the ball well and can quickly really uh, advance the ball to the final third. So this one is a really su successful one. Sure. So the next the next clip actually uh, to your point there, Laurie. Uh, Adds adds Sandro in, so um, here you'll see another another example from the from the inter game where Sandro's been in possession um, 
and they're going to attract pressure towards him and provoke provoke a, a press from Inter to then play through the pressure as opposed to round the pressure in the last in the last slide there. So um, Sandro is going to play into into midfield here to attract the midfield pressure. He's going to receive the ball back and then play beyond um, Matuidi there to to the next line, and you'll see support beyond the ball um, into the central pivot. As Danny mentioned, Higuain there. So Sandro plays directly into to Higuain's feet, and then we have the setback and the run beyond in a very kind of simple up, back and through, as, as people may may term it um, in some areas. It's something that Sarah uses a, a hell of a lot to, to get his players facing forwards in between those lines in, in a more advanced position. And it's something he uses an awful lot. It's really interesting. The position of Motuji is really interesting in here and all the, the whole uh, tactical situation because, as we'll discuss later, um, he, his um, performance has changed uh, compared to last season. And seeing his movement, movement in this uh, scenario is uh, really interesting. Yeah, so that helps uh, that helps Surrey's teams kind of move up the pitch uh, to create opportunities to to create and score. So here in the next slide, you're going to see um, all of the opportunities that Juventus have created uh, so far this season. Um, that number's 674 total shots, um, and they've scored 83 goals from those shots from 260 shots on target, um, which is a, a a big number when you when you consider um, the difficulties it is to break teams down in Serie A, and mo most teams will will come to come to Juventus and, and sit a little bit deeper and, and try and play on the counter. Um, Ronaldo, Dybala, and Higuain, as you expect, have, have scored the, the majority of the goals. They share 51, 51 goals out, out of one hundred and fifty eight shots on target between them so far this year. So they do a, a large chunk of the of the legwork in the in the final third. Um, and I'm sure, Laura, you're going to discuss a little bit later about how important the ball has been to that system so far this year. Yeah, we're going to get to that uh, a bit later. But first, uh, maybe we we can explain what are um, Juventus' weaknesses uh, because they do have some. And um, no matter that they're in the leading spot right now, they, it's, uh, it's not really secured. And we can see uh, later on what are the reasons and um, can Lazio actually uh, go go to the first place? Yeah, and before we do that, Steve, why don't you tell us exactly how different the mentalities of Allegri and Sarri are according to all the, the data that you've been providing us? Yeah, sure. So oh, the themes around uh, Sarri in the final third... Um, a big, a big emphasis on combination play um, and individual excellence, as you'd expect with the, the type of players that he has at his disposal. And it's certainly in the last ten games, they've played more off a central pivot um, to combine with with forward runs from from the the wider players that he's used in the last few games. So, I think his his flexibility there kind of gives you an understanding about exactly exactly the type of coach he is compared to Allegri. Um, so. Here's just a couple of a couple of quotes for those those watching, uh, as opposed to those listening. So, for those listening, I think the reality about Allegri is that um, in his world there is no right way or no wrong way of football. There's only winning and losing, and I think it's really important to understand that it wasn't always about beautiful football with him or whatever people say beautiful football might be. His his 
its thing was about making sure they, they won on a regular basis and creating that juggernaut that is Juventus in the last few years has been about his ruthless nature. Um, you know, it's it's a very un-Italian way where you'd expect them to, to be more system-based. You know, his his thing is about having good players and making sure those good players make the difference. Um, whereas with Sarri, obviously, he likes his teams to control the game with the ball. Um, he likes to play in the opposition half. He likes the, the, the team that he's coaching to, to attack um, as much as he can. And, and he takes great pride in, in the way his teams attack. So I think Juventus over the last three or four years have become maybe somewhat dull in terms of people watching from the outside always believe that they just win and it's not always entertaining. But um, Juventus have tried to make a shift this year, bringing Sarri in with the ability to create um, more more attractive and good-looking football. Um, and at the moment, that's doing well in terms of their the style with substance. But if you look at the data itself, and the, the data doesn't necessarily lend itself to any major shift in, in terms of what Juventus have done over the last three seasons. So you see here on the screen, we've got the, the current Juventus team in the middle of, of, this, um, of this information here. And... The reality is that there isn't a hell of a lot of difference in the in the data that's being produced. Yes, they pass the ball more. Um, yes, they have slightly more possession of the ball, but that would lend itself to most top leagues around the world where the better teams have more of the ball. They have the better players. Um, there's there's a, a real uh, standard um, line in terms of the quality and the completion rates in those in that possession side of things. Um, there's a, there's an increase in the in the chances, um, but the data is pretty consistent over the last three seasons. Um, the average chance count is a little bit higher, but the completion is varied over the last three seasons, as you'd expect um, okay. in the hustle and bustle of Serie A. Can I jump in with a with a question? Don't you think that maybe uh, Sarri can't really adjust his um, uh, style of play to to the different teams uh, like Allegri? was doing previously because his um his no, Sarri's beliefs often lead to that he wouldn't change something in game and that would affect their performance and outcome of the game yeah i think there's there's certainly a bit of that obviously last year at chelsea he struggled a little bit early on trying to impose himself on onto the side there and i think he he may have had similar issues at Juventus early early season, but I think he's been smart enough in the last 10 games to adjust his system accordingly with, with something he's used. Um, but the style itself, I don't think, has changed a hell of a lot. Just the, just the way they go about things in terms of building off that central pivot with Higuain has made a big difference to the, to the way they've done things in the last 10 games. And uh, as we transition into talking about Juventus's weaknesses, Chris, let me ask you something. If you were a Juventus fan, would you rather have a team that plays beautiful football or a team that just relentlessly goes for the win at all costs? Daniele, as I get in my August years, I come to appreciate beauty very much. And winning is lovely, uh, but uh, I think moments of beauty are the things that you remember the most. So I very much, and, and I value efficiency, but... Uh, I think in life, it's a, one could could strive for beauty and and hopefully be efficient every now and then. So uh, that's what I think Juventus can do, and I think they're on the right pathway personally. And maybe Juventus's um, attempt to play beautiful football will 
caused them to not win the league this year because Lori has uh, spotted some weaknesses in the in Juventus' uh, style of play this year. How about uh, how about you unpack that, Lori, for us? Yeah, we're we're gonna focus on three different areas, but it, it might not be put as weaknesses, but as something that has made them maybe less efficient than last year. Um, we're gonna start off with um, their lack of. Um, clear wingers uh, of course that's uh, before the 433 formation but uh, it's still um they still have to adjust to to that and their efficiency in the in the in front of the goal has dropped because they lose uh, they use less passes fewer fewer amount of passes uh, of crosses i'm sorry and um it has really affected their um shot frequency and their um uh, they don't exploit that many areas anymore. They don't go uh, that deep on the wings that often, just because um, there is no. They use Quadrado, who, who most of the time played as a right back uh, this season, and it really affected um, their performance in in the final third. So um, compared to the other teams, they really dropped. Um, their crossing performance last year they used um around 20 crosses per game now they've dropped to, to 15 and i i i think that this this shows in, in the games um also there's some fewer amount of long balls that they use and i think that uh, also affects their performance because um in the times there where they're playing against uh, against teams with um low block and it's hard to penetrate uh, these long balls previously were really helping them to uh, to send the, the balls behind the ball behind the defense and now uh, the things look differently um, let's see the, the the data from the last year they used 47 long balls on average um, and now they use 38 and this again shows on the pitch and the last thing we're going to gonna cover is um the shots on target against them because this, that's something connected to their def defensive performance they have um decreased their performance they are forced into individual mistakes um, quite too often and it really shows in the um shots against on target because now the teams are having better positions to shoot against them just because they um, do a lot of individual mistakes. Uh, last year, the um, shots against on target um, percentage was 27.7. Now it's 38.2. So that's a big difference. And all of these three, let's say, weaknesses could help Lazio in, in their road to the first place because they managed to balance out the, these things in attack and defense um, compared to Juventus. Yeah, let me ask you something, Steve. Uh, so we're saying, we just said that Sarri's Juventus likes to play out of the back. So there are a lot more uh, shorter passes, but Lori just pointed out that the, the crosses and the long balls have decreased. How much has the fact that Mandzukic is not on the roster anymore affected this, these numbers? Um, yeah, I mean, for, for Mandzukic, you can replace him with Higuain and, and you get a very similar type of central pivot there. But 
I think the the long ball side of things is is a testament to to how much he wants the team to move together up the pitch as opposed to potentially playing a little bit more direct um, a lot of the time. But I but I think that they've they've still been efficient um, in terms of the the shots on target. There, as you see, you know it's it's a it's a higher number than it was the year before, and I think that's. When they do create the chance, I think it's it's a much better chance than potentially they've created in in, in the past. For for the long balls, uh, we're gonna discuss this um, uh, when we talk about Dybala, But his movement is really affecting uh, the use of long balls, and I'll I'll tell you that later. Um, and we have an example of um, Juve's um, decreased defensive awareness and their. Um, increase of in individual errors um, because when they are around the the box and that's a key area and very dangerous and they could concede from that uh, they usually tend to um, their their work under pressure is poor compared to to last year and these individual errors uh, often result in um, the, the opposite players um, having really like nice areas to shoot from. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, you are um, currently talking about the the goal that they considered against Elas Verona. If I remember yes. correctly, that goal originated from Rodrigo Bentancur's back heel, which caused yeah. Juventus to lose possession in their in their third. And um, who was it? Scored Borini, I think, uh, equalized uh, the goal. And correct me if I'm wrong. Did uh, Verona go on to win that game? I I, I think so. Um, my mind might be playing games with me, but um, yeah, you're right about uh, Bentancur and um, their decision making uh, during defensive transitions has really been um, poor, and that resulted in a lot of conceding conceding a lot of goals throughout the season. Yeah, let's move on to talk about a player that was a little bit um, shadowed under uh, under Allegri, and uh, he seems to now have come back to life. Uh, we're talking about Paulo Dybala. What has changed for the Argentine striker this uh, this season? I think that he has flourished um, under Sarri, and uh, of course. Uh, that's not the only reason uh, the new coach is not the only reason uh he has the support of ronaldo now and um, it's really important for his movement for his actions and it has affected his performance a lot um we've pointed out a few areas he has improved in and it's he has more freedom freedom uh, in the final third, he moves around. He's not limited to some areas. He exploits the house spaces. He can drop back and switch places with uh, Ronaldo, which is really important and has helped him be more efficient in the final third. He has improved his special um, awareness and really moves really well and can see free spaces better and help his teammates too uh, in that matter and um, we can see his uh, about his um, improved performance in the final third we can see that um, the data from last year shows that he produced 2.6 shots per game on average and now it, it has increased to uh, 4 
6.16. So that's a huge difference. And uh, it shows that the more freedom he has, the better he performs. Uh, also, mm, seeing his movement and his heat, heat maps, we can see that he stays in the box more frequent, frequently than before. And his touches in the box uh, um, data shows the same. Uh, previously, he was he had 2.3 touches in the box. Now it's 3.8, which is uh, again um, a decent increase uh, in terms of that. And um, also, he does more recoveries due to his um, improved positioning, and that of course helps uh, the team uh, gain back pos possession in the opposition final third, which is uh, defensive third, which is uh, really important. And they created a lot of chances from that. So um, I wanted to say uh, also that he has a better decision making than before. He has helped um, a lot of his teammates uh, created chances for them. And we have an example where he, he can shoot from a quite a diff difficult angle, but he decides to pass the ball to his teammates and make a better chance for, for the team. So this improved decision-making in terms of uh, should I act, like should I score, try to score and put it on, on me or just um, support the team and find a better position to uh, exploit, expose the opponent. And uh, when Juventus uh, switches to a four-three-three, Steve, have you seen Dybala struggling with uh, with playing uh, on that wide position as a winger? Yeah, I think he I think he struggled a little bit in in that position. Even though Sarri's allowed him to kind of come inside with um, with the fullback going around him uh, to create the width on that side, but I think he's he, he's been much more effective in that top of the diamond pivot position, where for the most part, if if they're being uh, combated by a midfield three, then then the chances are that he's constantly the, the free man, as as Laurie's giving you the, the stats to back that up there. So um, it's created a lot more um, touches for him in the right areas of the pitch. But the wider he's gone, even though he's been successful there because of the the weight of chances that the team have created, I, I think he's much more efficient in that in that top of the diamond for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, if there is one player who seems to not have benefited as much from the, the new leadership by Sarri. That player will be World Cup champion uh, Blaise Matuidi. So why, why, is Matuidi, why has Matuidi underperformed so far this season, Laurie? Yeah, we've put him out there just because, his, um, he, of course, his role is uh, a bit different uh, than uh, under Allegri, but um, his data shows that he's underperforming in some other areas. And uh, by his, uh, his heat maps compared last seasons and this seasons, we can see that his movement is um, more limited and he exploits... Um, less areas uh, than before. Uh, he, previously, he was going wider and um, covering the house spaces and going back to the fence and going to, 
to the edge of the final third. Um, and we can see that now he's more focused on his actions between the central line and the, the edge of the final third, which has affected the Juventus performance during transitions and in defense too. Uh, he's not that effective uh, as a counter-pressing uh, option anymore. So that's really uh, been... Um, affected uh, their performance and by his stats we can see that he mm, he's doing less recoveries his um, aerial um, performance has dropped too and actually uh, we talked about the long balls and he was um, one of the key players previously to to send long balls and um, go past the defenses and now his defensive um, his long ball performance has dropped too. Uh, previously, he was sending around two uh, long balls per game. Now it's dropped under one. Um, and he's rarely, rarely sending any long balls. Uh, so that's really affecting Juventus transi transitions, build up, and ac actually the defensive tra transitions. So I think that um, his performance is really poor um, compared to his potential because he, he can do much better than that. Yeah, and I remember a quote from uh, Massimiliano Allegri from a couple of years ago. He said that on Monday morning when he receives all the data from, uh, from Juventus' analysts, he said that he only looked at two data, fouls committed, and aerial duels won. So you telling us that Matuidi has dropped the winning rate of his uh, aerial duels is definitely something that Allegri, even Allegri, will consider as a drop in performance from the from the French player. It's really important because um, during transitions, it's um, the, the areas where you lose the aerial du duels is key because if you lose the, the the duel in in the central midfield um it will cost the team a lot and they may not be able to go back quickly and it will affect uh, their defensive uh, actions and it will be harder also to pick up the second balls a key yeah, part, a for key sure. part of the game so why don't we move on to some fun and uh we our analysts put together a pre-COVID best 11. So who wants to start us off with this magnificent lineup? I'm talking too much, but maybe we should start from the goalkeeper um, <laughs> uh, and go uh, up front because there are some really amazing players uh, that we've picked. Um, I've picked uh, the goalkeeper, which is Thomas Strakosian from uh, Lazio, and it's um, I've picked him because he's been very solid throughout the season. He's um, kind of um, uh, opponent of uh, Chesney in that matter. But um, why I've picked Strakosha instead of Chesney is because he's really good in saving. Um, balls from outside the box and it's really important these days because teams more and more often try shooting from outside the box because uh, the defenses are stronger and they 
can penetrate in their usual ways using turbos or whatever. So that's why I've picked Strakosha. For, for the left back um, in the 4-3-3 formation, I've picked uh, Alexandru. As I've mentioned earlier, he's very important for advancing the ball, for holding on to, to the ball and keeping the possession and delivering it to the final third. So that's why I've picked him uh, for the dream team. Uh, in the central back positions, I've picked um, Jose Luis Pouminu from Atalanta. From what I've seen from him, uh, he's very solid in terms of um, uh, recoveries. He's been a key man for Atalanta in that area. He's doing an outstanding 14.02 uh, recoveries uh, per game, which is amazing, outstanding uh, data. And um, he's very uh, defending very well against skillful players. Um, his performance against Inter was very, very good because um, he managed to limit uh, Wukaku's movement, which is really hard. He has an outstanding of the ball movement and physicality, and Paulino managed to um, to stop that, which was uh, very interesting. And also he's really good um, in, in the air and his contribution uh, in attacking set pieces has been outstanding. Um, the next central back is uh, Francesco Acerbi. He's been very solid defensively. Uh, he does intercept the ball often and I think he, he really will contribute well to that uh, dream team. Uh, let's see. On the um, on the right back, I've picked um, Marco Faraoni from Verona uh, because um, he has been a very complex player. I know he plays more as a right wing back because they play often with uh, a back three, but I've put him here because he brings out a balance between attack and defense and uh, has helped the team a lot during. Um, uh, transitions, uh, and I think he should be a player to to be looked upon. Yeah, Steve, uh, um, I wanted to ask you something. What are two changes that you will make in this uh, back four slash keeper? Well, um, to be honest, I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with where it is. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe. Um, Quadrado in, in at right back maybe would be one, um, but other than that, I'm I'm fairly comfortable with where it is to be honest. Okay, I would I have a couple names I would like to throw out. Um, I like Leonardo Bonucci. His playmaking duties are just key, um, and then I would also like to include one of the Inter center backs this year playing with three center backs under Conte. I think it helped them a lot. So I'm gonna go with uh, Skriniar. I, I'd I take that, even though he's injured as well. Yeah. <laughs> I can take Skriniar because he's been very important for Inter too. But um, yeah, I was considering Quadrado too. But I, as I said, I think Peroni is um, a more complex player, uh, whilst um, Quadrado, for example, is more attack oriented. So yeah, that's why I picked Peroni. And Fair enough. 
for me to finish with my, my picks. Uh, for the central midfield, I've picked uh, Fabian Ruiz from Napoli mm -hmm. um, because he's been um, outstanding this season for the team, maybe one of their key players. He's very good at um, ball progression. Um, his pass accuracy rate is outstanding I think it's something around 91% which is um, amazing he really supports the team in, in 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 the midfield area but also provides a lot of key passes to the to the final third and uh, creates many chances for his team when I, that's why I picked him fair enough and uh, Steve why don't you complete the lineup for us yeah sure so my my front five begins with uh, the two guys in midfield, um, so Gomez and Ilicic from Atalanta. Uh, so Gomez is a personal favourite of mine, but he didn't get in just because of that. He's um, obviously one of the one of the most creative um, forces in in the league right now. So when you consider both open play and set pieces, he's fourth overall in um, assists per ninety minutes. Um, and also where they've played him a little bit deeper this year, he, he's currently sat in the top five for the progressions of the ball from deep positions. Uh, per 90 minutes, which is which is just over 10. So he's been he's had a great output uh, so far this year. Um, and then Ilicic alongside him, um, he's been the only player in the league with uh, combined scoring contribution of of above one, other than Immobile, uh, who we'll talk about soon. But um, he's also top, or at least in the top five of nearly every Syria individual offensive leaderboard right now. So. Um, I don't think there's a there's a, a more efficient and, and better uh, midfielder in the league right now that, than Ilicic, to be fair. Um, onto the front three. So I tried to steer away from, from a lot of the bigger names. It would have been too easy potentially to select some of those. So a couple of left field uh, selections. So Martinez from, from Inter down the right-hand side. So first full season uh, playing in a, in a top five league. Um, but he's in the top 10% for, for shots on target and touches inside the box per 90 minutes. Um, and also probably on the other side of things, um, when you consider how little Lukaku offers to a defensive organisation of Conte's, um, he contributes a hell of a lot to their, to their press, um, which, which is a big part of their game, obviously. So he goes in on the right wing. And then on the other side, um, uh, Domenico Berardi from, from Sassuolo. Um, he averages just over 0 0.66 uh, goals per 90 minutes, uh, which is the, the top three output in the league. Um, he's the league. He's a he's a third best league scoring contribution for for goals and assists, um, which is brilliant from a wide player. Um, and even though he's not a great dribbler, he still manages um, to get a certain a decent number of fouls, which is which is obviously important. Um, in uh, in that in that sort of things, and then leading the line, um, Immobile from from Lazio, 20, um, 20 odd goals so far this year. Uh, relentless in front of goal. Um, only Higuain averages more open play assists than him as well uh, per ninety minutes. So he goes in and leads the line for me to complete the team. Chris, are you surprised to not see Cristiano Ronaldo on this on this lineup? <laughs> I know that there are lovers and haters and uh, nothing in between. I am struck by the number of Argentinians that are in Serie A. And uh, I wonder how that front line, particularly of uh, Juventus, has uh, benefited from having uh, Argentinians there. So um, 
I don't know. I thought I'd just throw that out to the group about that seemingly Italian-Argentinian con uh, co connection. There definitely is a connection, and you can tell if you uh, if you follow players like Dybala and Higuain on social media, they're always seen with uh, with the mate, the mm -hmm. typical um, Argentine uh, drink. Mm -hmm. So for sure, there is a, there is big chemistry. But yeah, you're right. The uh, Argentine players seem to uh, to find a lot of success in the Italian league. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning that um, Gomez is not um, far away from from the mentioned players because he's he's been outstanding um, in in the last few seasons. He um, I really like that uh, Steve has picked him for for his dream team because. Um, he's very important for the team, and I think that in our future uh, episode, episodes, it's worth um, discussing uh, Atalanta and uh, these players because they have created something very impressive under uh, the current coach. Well, good. Well, that wraps up our show. We'd like to thank Total Football Analysis. They are the world's largest open source soccer analytics community, please visit www.totalfootballanalysis.com. And signore e signori, thank you for listening. That's all for our first podcast show about the Serie A. We would like to thank Enrico Italian Bistro for their support, as well as the NCFC and NC Cord Soccer Clubs. See you soon. A presto. Ciao.